Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Uh, boys, I am uh, I'm nearing the end of the semester here at my uh, super demanding academic day job. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard to find time to uh, do any radio. So if you hear me eating, if you hear me shuffling very important papers in the background, that's because I, you know, I'm just busy uh, shaping lives over here, you know, being an important, an important professor. Crafting but, America's journalistic future. Oh, that's right, Piper. One sentence at a time, you know, one sentence at a time. Give, give, give. Uh, but boys, enough about me. Um, we have some important topics to get into. But before we do that, um, we have two important business things. Pipe, um, number one, I'm going to do a little self promo here. Uh, I have a new book out. Uh, it is a graphic novel. It's called uh, the Extraordinary Life of a Mediocre Jock. It's for um, kind of young middle school aged readers. It's a book about school. It's a book about uh, friendships and sports and uh, and trying to love the Lord and all that stuff. So uh, if you buy a bag of Lagaris Roasters coffee this week, Lagaris Roasters coffee or tea, um, the first 10 orders will receive uh, a signed copy of my new graphic novel. So uh, that's a little promo. That's a little business. We like to do a little um, synergy, which is what we call it in the business world. Uh, Hector and I had a meeting, a high-level meeting about that, and uh, that's what came out of it. So um, if you look at the minutes for that meeting, it would it would just really basically include what I just said. So, Piper, we have other business this week on the podcast, do we not? We do. We have another sponsor, uh, a, a familiar name, which I am going to do my best not to butcher because I have butchered it in the past, and it is... Yet another resource from Renee Adelsberger, uh, except this is different because she's done previous studies that she's that she we've promoted for her on James and on Mark. Um, you can find all those at pedestriangod.com. But she has a, a, a pretty cool new thing, and it is a daily devotional on Alexa. Do you guys know what Alexa is? Yeah. Okay. It's the thing you're talking to, and it like does stuff. Yeah, right? it's it's the Amazon yeah. one, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's also the name of like 17 girls in my daughter's school class. Um, <laughs> nice. So it's so it's it is a daily devotional on Alexa. And if you go to pedestriangod.com/slash/flashbriefing, because that's the technical name for what these are, there's different ones. It's uh, it gives all the it gives a little rundown of what it is, as well as. Um, as well as instructions on how to access it. And because Amazon is ubiquitous, you know, you can get it through the device, but you can also, Alexa is now uh, on, they have, they have it on their apps and they have it on, if you have like a fire stick for your TV, so you can access it in all of those. So you can play it really wherever you are. You can play it through car speakers, you can play it wherever. And it's a daily devotional for women. And at the time she launched it, it was the only devotional for women on Alexa uh, that may still be the case. They weren't exactly sure, but definitely the first one out there may be still the only one out there. So go to pedestriangod.com slash flash briefing to, uh, to figure out how to access that and check that out. Um, and then you can find all of her other writings and studies at that same website. Dude, well, there you go. That's, uh, the, the Adelsbergers are Jacksonians, so they share the same metro area that I do. And I've actually watched a Vikings game with them. I was going to say, also also Minnesota sports fans, and so um, I have a great affinity for them and yeah. empathy for their perpetual misery. They have a good, they have a good jersey game, too. So the, the Viking game I went to, there were, there were some good Viking jerseys in the room. Was so, it any uh, obscure players, or was it like you know Randy Moss and stuff? 
No, it wasn't quite obscure enough for my liking. I think there was an Adrian Peterson, which is pretty standard, but I think it, there there may have also been, um, if I'm remembering right, uh, there might have been a John Randall, which I had, Ooh. which I had respect for. So I used to have a John uh, Randall jersey, and then I lent it to somebody, and it never came back. Guys, oh. this is dangerous territory we're getting into right now. Well, well, Forty for your you. taste. You know, we're boring, Big R. This isn't a this isn't a restaurant on sabbatical <laughs> where there's a sport playing over his wife's shoulder. So that's the only context in which in which. Which, by the way, Big R, are you back in Ashland? Do you need me to like draw you a map of the Ashland area just to kind of get your get your bearings? Well, I mean, it's, it's just it's just that it's changed so much. You know, Ashland is not a town that just lies dormant. It changes a lot. Maybe and the energy it's in that a lot. town. Yeah, the energy, uh, the excitement. Oh um, man, it's palpable. Is it a sort of reverse situation in which if you're gone so much, like being in Ashland almost feels like a retreat? I mean, are we into that territory yet? Like a yeah, because I, because a reverse been, conference. Yeah, I think it is. Right now, I feel like, am I on sabbatical, right? Am I on sabbatical from California, from Florida? I don't know yet. I'm Did you still have a home that. lanyard waiting for you on the like in the breakfast nook when you get home just to kind of make it feel like a conference? Actually, I built a guest house in A-Town that I just stay at now. <laughs> yeah. Because nice. it just because it just feels like that's where I'm not at as much anymore. It's kind of, right, kind of cold and drab. And where do personal. people from Florida and California go for sabbatical? Um, I mean, other other than stay home, they just go into their back bedroom and enjoy the beautiful sunshine and that's it's a perpetual weather. staycation. It is. Yeah, living out there is just a staycation, except when you're sitting in traffic, and that's really what they do for the majority of their time in California, at least Southern California. So yeah. Mm. You know what? They go to Canada, which is where we're going to do a live show soon. Absolutely. Have we, how much uh, how much play have we gotten on that, boys? Because uh, you know, I felt like we we put out a really uh, you know inviting offer into the airways. Uh, have we heard anything back? Still pending. Still also, pending. Yeah. All right. I'll with that. Canadians Piper, Canadians run at a different pace than uh, than our American brethren. I understand. Piper, did we get any traction on um, uh, on on Conference Man on our little Conference Man sketch of Ron? Uh, our new Marvel character, Marvel also, Universe, also still pending at this time. So I think it was Retreat Man, wasn't it? Didn't we swap? Oh, my bad, Retreat Man. Yeah, yeah, it, Retreat Either man. way, still pending. Um, our it, it 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 it's possible that our artist listeners just are working are working mm. on it, but you know I don't like that. You you never yeah. rush art. I think is is the rule. Ronnie would know. Mm. I'm not really an artist, so. Um, yeah, my guess is that's that's coming, but we haven't seen it yet, which is mildly disappointing. I really would have liked to see a rendering of Retreat Man. Well, you know what, man? From from one artist to another, let me just throw this out there. Rush it. Rush the Rush art. it. Get it done. Rush. I Here's like what Rush I love about Retreat Man, just from a thematic standpoint, is that Retreat Man shares the same initials as, as Ron Martin. So wow. I just feel like that. Dude, it's so wow. cohesive. It's, yeah. Yeah, the, the alter ego would be like right in plain sight. Uh-huh. Sharing the same initials and just, just not quite visible. That's right, man. That's right. Well, this is getting intricate. It's getting it deep. It really is. It's, it's getting real deep. deep. Like, I don't know where this is going next. Kind of deep. Well, you know what else is deep? Is this whole concept of safe spaces for men. So, uh, Piper, you tw- you sent us a tweet um, that you had read. It was very funny. And. I actually hit you back with a concept for a recurring bit for the show called um, People Ted Has Never Heard Of uh, Because I Live Under a Rock. But the the tweet that you sent me was from a guy named Matt Walsh, um, who I had never heard of. Again, no disrespect to Matt Walsh. Matt, if you're listening, or, or Matt Walsh's family, you know, God if forbid. If he's listening, it kind of makes me want to stop doing this podcast. 
<laughs> he's he's not listening. Okay, but good. I had no idea who Matt Walsh was. But the gist of the text, Piper, and you could read it verbatim if you want to, was basically that um, you know men no longer have any other any safe spaces in the culture, and they're relegated to like man caves in the basement or in the garage, and, and just how sad this is to Matt Walsh. Like Matt Walsh had real. He had real issues with this whole thing. And uh, speaking as a man who doesn't feel relegated to any particular place, I, I have the privilege of, like, you know, moving about uh, my home kind of wherever I wherever I feel like it, I guess. Um, what do you guys make of this? What do you guys make of the whole safe places for men concept? Let's uh, let's start with you, Pipe. Well, let me let me start off by reading the tweet. I have I have yeah. done a little bit of show prep while you Ooh, were show prep. blathering. And uh, and here it is. So our dear friend Matt Walsh, who is the conservative political Skip Bayless mixed with uh, Mark Driscoll, says Mm -hmm. the lack of male spaces in our culture begins in the home where a man is often forced to set up Mm -hmm. his man cave. That's in scare quotes in Uh the garage or the basement. If he wants any space to himself in the home, he owns and pays for. Mm. So this is this is a multilayered concept. We've got we've got men being ostracized by society we've got a man being forced to set up a man cave because i mean i think that's how it goes i often see men being held at gunpoint while they set up places with flat screen tvs and beer fridges Um, and then and then he hands over all of his money to whoever else lives in the house so he technically owns and pays for this but he is not a resident of his own home that's what i gather from Mm. this tweet it's it's really a bleak picture for men, from what I gather. It really is bleak, and I guess like bleak picture for marriage too, from old Matthew, right? Yeah, I, that, yeah. I've not seen real life looking that bleak, to be honest with you. But you know, he's really he's really making me think about some of these things. Well, you, so. must, you must be the one percent, Ted, because from what I'm gathering in this this one hundred and sixty character tweet is that that men do not run society. Men have no authority. Men have no voice. Men mm. have nowhere to go that's safe. Yeah, men, men have no no financial freedom. Men live in caves. Men, mm. I mean, it's just it's the worst as far as boy, I it's tell. tough out there. It's tough yeah. out there. For oh, Piper. Yeah, wow. I don't know how men make it in this world. <laughs> Piper, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay a conceptual question on you. Um, this is this is related but unrelated. Do you do you think Big R has a man cave in his house? And if so, what do you think is in it? Wow. Yeah. I I think I think he would find the concept of cave to be mm-hmm. oppressive and yeah. dark and uh, just just bleak. And so he would have like a what would he have? He would have like a man like a man rotunda of some kind, something with that's <laughs> light, that's light and airy. Uh, a man zebo. A man zebo. <laughs> yes, I could I could totally see that. Yeah, a, a three season a three season man porch. Um, oh, I love it. I love and it. it would be, yeah, very minimalistically decorated. Uh, there uh-huh. would be some electronic equipment that I could not name, but he could. Um, I imagine the, the word Moog would be involved somewhere. Um, and there would be, there would be a, a tea station in one corner. Mm. Um, and, and, and probably just really just one seat for him. And, you know, he, he seems like somebody who would have like a select seat. Like this is a a preferred spot to sit and read. And then he would have just sort of scattered um, sort of rough cut wood tables with moleskins and the like for various 
uh, photo shoots of sermon preparation and and writing and things like that. Piper, you're literally so close. If you just take (laughs) away the tea station, add a seat for Big M. And um, I don't do I don't do moleskins. I do saddleback leather journal stuff. I mean, you're right there. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. You know who's actually never there though? Piper is Big R. So. Big R, as it turns out, doesn't spend a whole lot of time in his man cave. So it's, it's just it's, turned into something like Matt Walsh said. It's just it's turned yeah. into something that my lady has taken over. Well, because you, I'm you know what? Yeah, you know why he's never there is because he included a seat for a woman, and she has taken it over. That's what Matt Walsh just told me. That's what he's I actually, I know this to be the case. Guys, I'm Matt a guest in my so. own home now. I'm a guest in my own home. He's never there because he's our, he's always at a conference. So I th- I think Big R's man cave is actually just a standard. Um, Hyatt Place hotel room, um, and maybe he's replicated that in his basement. You know, I feel like that would be no. Am I, am I, no offense to Ronnie's love of Hyatt Place, but that makes me very sad. <laughs> Not me. That doesn't that doesn't make me and Big T sad. In fact, if you were no. to tell Big T right now that his man cave could replicate a Hyatt P, I mean, he'd that'd be, be jumping up and down for joy. Right, exactly. That'd, that'd be a hard. That'd be a hard yes on that. So. Um, Boys, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit, and uh, these are these are big R topics, Ronnie Martin topics. Uh, big R did all the show prep today, but um, we're all writers, we're all men of letters. People uh, seem to enjoy it when we talk about writing. But uh, what's the book you'd most like to write? So as you think about um, writing projects, future writing projects, um, what they might look like, um, what's the book that you would be most excited to write? And uh, since this was your topic, Big R, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get us started on that one. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that it's a good question. So uh, right now, I seem to come in contact with a lot of dudes, a lot of pastors that are really bummed out and burnt out of the job that they're doing. And my, and my, my take, my hot take on that is that they're actually not doing the job that they intended to do. It's turned into like this sort of managerial CEO kind of like situation that they've gotten themselves into. So the book, I'm actually working on it right now. The book that I'm working on is something that is uh, bringing back sort of like this this idea and role and job of pastor into what it originally was intended to be, which is kind of like a little more of this organic, sort of hands in the dirt, relationally driven kind of a thing. And um, so kind of almost more of an artistic role in some ways. So that, that's kind of what, that's the book I'd like to write. I'm kind of working on it right now and um, we'll see if it happens. Yeah. Wow. And of course, you know, just uh, another couple of Christmas fiction books. If I could get a couple of those in the can, that would just, that would tip it and top it off right there. Oh, of course it would. Piper, what about you? Well, let me, let me ask a follow-up question to Ronnie first. So, you you just answered the question with it's the book you are working on. Are you the type who has like <clears throat> you have a book that's eating at the back of your mind that's like this is my magnum opus and maybe I'll write it but maybe not? Or do you just always there's just sort of like there's a next book and that's the one that you're currently passionate about? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I, I think the first few books I wrote, they were not magnum opuses, they were just ideas. Two of them I wrote with Ted and we just kind of rolled with it. Um, yeah, this would be, this is probably the first thing that I would, that I would, I would think of as being, okay, if I never write another book again, I'd be happy if this was the the final book kind of a thing. So yeah, so I actually have a lot of interest and passion towards it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So that's the first, that, this would be the first that ever kind of goes into whatever the latter category that you're describing, which is, yeah, I really want to write this. I really 
really behind it, you know? Gotcha. I was just curious because I think there are some people who have, who have a book that like there, there's something that they're, they're either afraid to write or they're just sort of holding on to, or they haven't developed a concept. And it's just sort of this thing that they write a lot of other stuff, but never spit that one out. And that's yeah, not but really... that's interesting. That's interesting. You say that, man, because I think that I think the situation we're all in, and maybe me more than both of you guys, is that th- yeah, it might be like that because I don't know. I, I can come up with a concept. It doesn't mean that anybody's going to end up putting it out, right? So you, mm-hmm. so there's some, like even this one. I'm I'm still working it out. I'm I'm in a sense I'm holding on to it because I really want to develop it well before I get it out there. And then it becomes it turns into something that maybe publishers aren't interested in because it's not wide enough, it's not marketable enough. So yeah, there's a little bit of that fear where it's like, dude, how long do I hold this? You know, it's a little bit of a give and take, right? So yeah. I don't know. Are you uh, have you do you have a deal for it yet? Or are you still like working on the the you know pitch materials and stuff? Yeah, I, man, I have a no, I don't have a deal for it, but I've written you know I've written a proposal for it. I'm still kind of I'm still working on that, so I'm I'm taking time, kind of still developing it and sussing it out, you know, because yeah. I to, I do want it to be like better than just what my initial idea for it was, and it's really progressed yeah. a lot. So I'm trying not to be as quick to even put it out there. I'm just taking my time with it. So. Dude, it's nice when you can take your time with it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the serious answer right there for you. Yeah, there it is, Piper. What about you, man? Uh, the short version is I would like to write any book. Right now, life is I, you know, I I tend to fit writing into the margins of life, and right now, life has like negative ten margins, so uh, it's already it's kind of overflowing over the edges. And so, writing is a thing that I either have to sacrifice sleep or work or family, and uh, all three of those seem somewhat necessary right now. Um, so, but in terms of a concept, um. One that I've been chewing on a lot lately. I don't. I don't have a like a grand book idea that is you know mm-hmm. maybe someday I'll write it. So the, the next sort of the next concept I'm chewing on is one about uh, expectations and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of the basic premise being every disappointment in life is because of unmet expectations, and and so what like what is what is a realistic expectation? What what are realistic expectations for happiness? I think people go through life sort of expecting things to make them happy and then perpetually being disappointed. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast where we talk about like everything is an adventure or living my story. And like people create these grand narratives for, uh, for their lives thinking that that like imputes meaning to their life or something or, mm-hmm. or happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think it's perpetually disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. And so just sort of, navigating some of those but I also want to I don't want to write it in a way that's ar- argumentative like I'm not trying to teach people something or or you know create some sort of polemic of some mm-hmm. kind but rather just to sort of chew on different ideas and aspects of this to come out with some different ideas so it's it's sort of unformed and ill-formed right now but that's that's the that's the sort of the basic core of the concept I guess I like it pipe dude it's funny you say that man like do you feel like publishers are open to something like that that's not exactly a polemic um i mean my two most successful christian books ever were totally polemic um they were in a lot of ways the two that i enjoyed the least um i don't know i don't know that do you feel like there's space enough for something just kind of thoughtful and reflective like that that doesn't necessarily you know pit one side against the other what's it's funny my first two books you know one was 
on being a pastor's kid. The second was on faith and doubt. Those are pretty definable concepts. And then I did the book on yeah. curiosity, which I don't know if it was my best book. It's the one I felt the most sort of gratification about because I felt yeah. like I sort of I wrestled a sticky topic into 160 pages. Um, yeah. And it has sold worse than the other two. You know, the yeah. first two did okay. Yeah. That one has not. And which says like there's people want people want books that tell them how to think, that make things simple for them and publishers yep. That's what publishers want. And that's a bit of a chicken or the egg. Are, you know, are publishers market leaders or market followers? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I work in publishing mm -hmm. and I don't know. Um, yeah. But, but uh, I, I think I could get it published. I would not be confident that it would sell like crazy because unless very few people want to reflect on things or yeah. chew on things, people want A plus B equals think this way. Yeah. Yeah. Or they want sure. crappy leadership books that tell like a quick story that's interesting and then seven points of application and it's basically a TED talk turned into 300 pages. How dare you take down John Maxwell like that? I think I think I just took down a whole genre because that's <laughs> that's I mean that's that's Simon Sinek, that's John Acuff, that's John Maxwell, that's, you know, whoever I just read one by two Navy SEALs and it was like some military stories and then like 300 pages of business application. I was like, can we just stop at the military stories? Those were interesting. So it's, it's just a whole genre and I don't, I have no interest in writing. How should people think about, I'm not that, that, that bores me to read. And, and I think if it would bore me to read, I shouldn't write it. How would a happy rant leadership book go over? How would that, what would that look like? <laughs> it would start with a chapter called lead yourself. <laughs> yeah. How I'm you two us. can make two point five thousand dollars a year <laughs> hosting your own podcast. That's right. Oh man, that would be that would fly off the shelves. I I actually think that's my answer. I want to write a happy rant leadership book. Um I, I just feel like the the business knowledge that we've gleaned on this podcast over the years, boys, the world the world needs it. You know, I would be I would be remiss to just hang on to that selfishly. So, baby, what's uh, the uh, what's the honest to goodness book you'd like to write? I honest to goodness, man, I absolutely have no idea. Slash, I I don't know that I want to. Mm. Um, I think I'm tired of it, and until I feel not tired of it, I don't just want to do it. You know what I mean? And you know, by God's grace, like I'm, I'm finally in a place now professionally where I don't have to like crank, you know, one and a half to two books out every year just to like keep food on the table. So I think having to do that for so many years, it, it made it like, um, it made it less fun to, you know, uh, to get stole to, the joy. Yeah. It stole the joy a little bit. That's not to say it was, it was bad or it was all a grind, but, but yeah, the prospect of doing it doesn't excite me. Um, now I could see a day in which, I run across the story or I run across the person and I just need to tell their story, at which point I will be excited to do it again. But I'm actually really enjoying writing these little like one-off newspaper columns now. So uh, I'm really digging the whole like newspaper columnist life and, um, and at kids books, you know, I could see writing another one of these kids books. If, uh, if that one does well, that one I really, really enjoyed. Um, what? Okay. Yeah. T t tell us about writing a kid's book because that's something like writing novels and writing kids books are two things that I've thought about. And I was like, they're, they're my favorite books to read. I, you yeah. know, reading books that are pastory is somewhat yeah. passe and boring to me, oh, but absolutely. like a really, really good story, whether it's aimed at 10 year olds or, or 50 year olds is my favorite. So what, what was that? Yeah. Like? What was yeah. That? So the kid book thing is crazy. So one of the 
One of, one of my favorite assignments of all time, and this is something that a lot of people don't know about because I think we've never talked about it. So a few years ago, my agent brought me this weird gig in which I would get a vocab list from a Chinese publisher every week and I would have to write like a, a, a story. So I would, there were these books for Chinese kids who were trying to learn English and they were just like these little maybe 25 page storybooks and they would give me you know, a list of a dozen words and a concept or two, and I would have to shape it into a story. And it was so much fun. So somewhere in China, there's like 50 of these books with, with my name on it. And um, the books all included a boy named Lili and his imaginary robot brother named Quan. Um, and that was per the publisher. So I, as long as I included Lili and Quan in these stories, they were, they were good with it. So uh, it was a blast, man. It was just a lot of fun, a lot of imagination. Um, I didn't have to rely on any other people, which is always a favorite scenario of mine. So no interviewing, <laughs> no, no interacting with other humans, which, um, you know, which really is right in my wheelhouse. So, um, yeah, it was a blast. And, and I think as far as my own kid's book, it was fun for a lot of the same reasons. Like I got to just have it be completely my thing and, um, yeah, and just completely kind of create this story out of thin air, but, but using concepts that, you know, would have been meaningful to me as a kid or, or things that I wish I'd learned when I was young that, that I didn't learn. So um, it was a blast, man. I would, I would totally do that again if they, uh, if they let me. So um, I highly recommend it. It's a fun time. Well, reading it made me think that writing it would be fun. Totally, totally. And that's, that's the point. I'm glad you, I'm glad you took that away from it for sure. So, um, well, what about this, boys? As far as uh, as far as controversial things go, uh, Piper, I think you like offhandedly nicknamed this the "trying not to get fired" topic of the week. But <laughs> what's a what's a topic that you wish we could rant about but can't? So this is a this is a very sneaky rhetorical device that we're using. So just to peel back the curtain, we're all communication professionals here on the program. But um, so. What's something you wish we could rant about, but because of the strictures of our, our day-to-day lives, we can't? Um, again, Big R, this was your topic, so I'm going to lean on you to, uh, to get us started. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I don't have quite the restrictions you guys do, right? Because you're, you're connected with this, uh, you know, all this Baptist stuff, right? All this Southern Baptist, just the glory of all this Southern Baptist stuff where, you know, there's never any controversy. There's nothing, anything, you know, there's no, no, nothing wrongs ever going on with that. Dude, it's always and smooth, smooth sailing. Always you know? smooth sailing. I mean, we're Absolutely. not dealing with any, like, societal, like, issues that are popping up within, like, the SBC <laughs> right now. I mean, we don't have any presidential problems as related Absolutely. to the SBC. We don't have any problems related to, like, sexuality or racism. No or anything like that when it comes to the SBC. So from my side, um, I would love to talk about things of that nature. I would love to dive in to some of those things that Piper is being incredibly quiet about right now. I would love it. Dude, like what? So give me, give me, give me like one example of something that you feel is off limits to us because of the strictures of Piper's job or my job. Um, that you would that you would want to talk about. This is fascinating. Well, I, I'm yeah, so I mean, nervous so, right now, guys. Uh, I mean, it's cool, Piper. Okay, gonna, for the record, <laughs> Piper's not talking about this. this I'm is not going to get Piper in trouble when I mention Paige Patterson and how much I would love to talk about just some of the stuff that, like, I don't know, the rest of the known world is the evangelical world is talking about right now and his comments towards women and all that stuff. I mean, I would love to just riff. Do you, do you really want to talk about it though? Because I feel like, okay, so so here's like all all kidding aside, like real talk. 
I, I don't feel like those things are ever much of a conversation because I feel like there's only kind of one thing to say about it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Yeah, they, I, from, right. From our side of really it, right. big. Yeah, from our side of it. Because we agree, we would all agree with it on one hand. We would all agree with like sort sure. of the outlandishness of it. But just sure. talking about it from the other side would it could be a fascinating conversation. You never know. It could. It could. Um, David, there's you feel there's like not you... a lot of jokes to be made about some of those things either. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, true. It, in, in the spirit of happy ranting, there are some things you get on, and like it just it becomes angry ranting happy. real quick. It's not yeah. extremely happy. It's not extremely joy filled. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, baby, do you feel like it, I know you're a part of several like denominations and networks? Do you feel like you have any any unique strictures? Is there anything off limits in the in the sojourn world, anything that would get you like, you know, grabbed by the by the flannel shirt and kind of pulled into a, a moss covered alcove and at a retreat and get you reprimanded? What what are we looking at that way? Is there, is you there... know what? Yeah, there probably is some things, but I would say it's not so much because of the network. I would say that it's more because I have people from the congregation that are listening in, and I, I don't want to say anything that's going to. Uh, you know, to rub them the wrong way or offend them or make them uncomfortable. I don't, well, you know, it's okay to be a little uncomfortable sometimes. So I don't mind talking about some things that might cause some further conversations down the road. Uh, I'm yeah. good with that. But yeah, there might be some things that are unhelpful. I mean, I think I probably have some things that would be unhelpful for me to discuss, just like you or Pipe would, sure. would have some things that might put you in a light where you'd have to explain yourself more than you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sometimes that. it can be fun. What we should do is we should try to think of things that would that would cause further conversations that we might like to engage in, if that's possible. You know. Yeah. No. For sure. I think that's a that's a good way to frame the question. Piper, what uh, what do you think about this? What's in listening to you know in thinking through so all of the stuff that Ronnie just mentioned and he mentioned presidential troubles. Let's take that to a national level. Uh, there was a time for about a year when I was really frustrated at the sort of uh, enforced silence on mm -hmm. such things. But I realized that I don't think I have anything to say that other people are not already screaming about. Um, yeah. You know, and it's at some point it becomes difficult. I mean, it's it's the same joke over and over again. It's, um, yeah. it's just sort of redundant, angry noise, even if we're not trying to be angry about it. And so it's it's just yeah there's there's not a lot to be said and and our listeners have said some really helpful things uh, to say that like this is this is their their sort of fun break in the middle of all of the angry noise in the world and all of just the the screaming the yelling the controversy so I've I've stopped wanting to rant about some of those things the way the way I maybe once did um, I think the uh, the other the other things that could be fun to to weave into the conversation a little bit more uh if we were allowed would just be you know we we make references to let's call them the christian liberties at times you know people uh -huh. ask ted if he likes to smoke cigars and pipes and there's sort of an, an aura of silence and you know plausible deniability and right. uh those are just coyness. parts of yeah coyness. Those are parts of life that maybe it would be nice to engage more on. Hypothetically speaking, hypothetically, that's et right, cetera, et cetera. If um, someone was inclined to talk about such things, that's yeah. right. You know, if you know, yeah. if not that there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. Um, other than that, I don't know. I kind of feel like we take on whatever we want to. I mean, there are some people who would be fun to make fun of by name, but 
yeah we do a lot of that too so <laughs> yeah we do man we do to be fair yeah i think for me like i just kind of wish i could swear more um because <laughs> I've, I've really gotten pretty good at that over the years and you know it's not something that i'm especially proud of but yet i i am good at it and i feel like once in a while the the conversation really it, it needs that but I, I feel myself holding back so um, it's a it's a it's a love letter to my employer and, and the life that I'm living now that I that I do hold back on that. But, uh, wow. yeah, but I, yeah, I think I, I, on, I, I had a, I, I was on another podcast recently and they, they said, can we can we play by happy rant rules? Because they, they keep it pretty, pretty close to the vest um, yeah. and language wise. And, and I was like, well, what does that mean? They're like, I don't know. How, how do you guys do things? And I was like, well, I think our rules are basically don't get fired. You can make fun of people by name, and you keep the language not PG thirteen. It's like PG eleven. So yeah, it's, it's PG. It's, it's not like PG. it's not it's not straight little kid. Yeah, because we yeah. can say things like douchebag, but yeah, uh, that's but true. it's but but we don't swear swear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the movie analog to the kind of language we use on the podcast, but I'll, I'll have to think about that a little bit. It's, but yeah, it's really sort of like, it's sort of like uh, it's like Sandlot language. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that's a that's a good fit. You know, that's a good fit. Um, it's like Sandlot language, but occasionally I would like it to be Goonies language. You know? Um, yeah, can we go 80s okay, PG instead of 90s PG? Dude, 80s PG was bonkers. I mean, you would even get some like. It's pretty raw, man. It was right? so raw, man. It was. I mean, dude, like the only thing we're allowed to say on here is like, "Gee, he's a real creep," you know. I mean, that. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, G, eighties. G you get bad news bears from the eighties, man, and it's like it's totally bonkers. Oh, it's crazy! It's crazy! Absolutely, boys. We have time for one last quick topic. Um, I want you both to predict the next big thing in evangelicalism. Um, so we are we we've been in this evangelicalism racket for a long time, and. Um, we've seen some trends come and go. Um, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys see in the horizon as being like the next big thing? So, uh, Piper, well, let's start with I'm you. I'm assuming You're... we're talking the the white reformed world when we say evangelicalism. Well, yeah, when we say evangelicalism, being absolute and complete narcissists as we are, what we really mean is just our our little tiny particular strain of evangelicalism. Okay, got so, it. All right, good. I just just wanted yeah. to make sure because I'm like. I the I don't I don't know anything about the rest of evangelicalism. That's not my job. Well, and why would you? I mean, who would? You why know? would you? Why do you need to? Why would yes, anybody? Yeah, need what to? is what is this body of Christ business anyway? Um, <laughs> okay, next big thing in my version of evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Ah, uh, man, we're so slow to change. It's hard to describe, uh, or it's hard to predict. Um, this is going to be. I'll really, tell you, Piper. I got a. I got a hot takey one. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll bring us down, and then you can bring us back up. Because I think the next mm-hmm. big thing is going to be, I, over the next several years, not a lot of changes. There's still going to be the Together for the Calvinist conferences um, and all the various iterations of them in smaller forms where you know where white dudes preach about Calvinism. Um, I think the next big thing is going to be the the decline and deaths of our heroes mm, you know dude. we saw it begin with rc sproul that's a happy topic pipe Way but, to I, go, man. but i but i think that's it because there's like a whole generation who are like 70 to 85 who might live for 10 more years or they 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 might not so i that's my prediction of next big thing is is the the health decline and death of our reformed heroes Mm. That's that's 
that's big. That's real, man. Because it is coming. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. That's yeah. not even debatable. Yeah. Everybody in everybody in the reformed world is going to die. That's what Piper just said. We're like, there's no argument against that. Die. It's like, no, that's true. That's that's uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Think about that, Big R. How do you how how does that strike you? You know, you're drinking your youth berry, so it's going to be like two, three, four hundred years before you die. Oh, dude, I got like I got an eternity ahead of me. I mean, I'm gonna Absolutely. outlive I'm gonna outlive dudes that are ten years younger than me right now. I mean, that's that's an obvious fact. Uh, I'm trying to find some wood to knock on because all of a sudden now I just got superstitious even saying that. Dude, some lasered hipster wood, man. Find it yeah. and knock on it. Distressed barn door. Yeah, I'm trying to knock on some of that right now. Just my knuckles are bleeding right now because I'm so scared <laughs> after that comment. I literally don't know what's going to happen now after that comment. Baby, what about you? What's your, what's your next big evangelical trend? Dude, this is kind of what I wonder. I, I seriously wonder if like all the, uh, <laughs> all the Wesleyan Armenians are going to somehow – just kind of like band together and form their own like, you know, t- t- together for for Jacobus, you know, Ooh. like conference or something like that. Like when are they going to like band together and sort of like make a big splash and have their own scene and like do this whole thing? Like I- I'm just fascinated because, you know, like all of our kids are going to go like full circle. They're going to just reject this whole thing. They're going to become like fully fledged like Wesleyan dudes. And I just like I'm wondering when that's going to happen, when all the heroes of that scene are going to rise up and it becomes like this viable thing. And like we're just going to be amazed, you know, like who's the Tim Keller of the Wesleyan scene? And maybe I would love to see that. That would be fascinating. I think it's I just can't believe it hasn't happened. I know know they're just not as good at branding as we are. I mean, apparently, yeah. I would. I just and maybe it's okay. So then, going back to what Pipe just said, maybe it is happening. But like, we are so sheltered. We're I mean, so we're narcissistic. Like, we're we like the homeschool it. kids of like the Calvin scene that like we don't yeah. we don't know that there's another world out there with oh, all of this it's, happening. It's absolutely happening. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's like if it's quite as unified. But I mean, if you look at at like Pentecostal and and you know Assemblies of God and some of those strains. Of yeah. of Christianity and evangelicalism, like massive conferences, huge heroes who we know nothing about. We don't read them. We don't listen to them. We've probably condemned them to hell in our hearts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they and they vastly outnumber our our little oh for sure our, our little reformed posse where we think you know where we think getting ten thousand people in the Yum Center means something. Mm. Right, yeah, we'll mean something there, when we get it, though. For our next oh, election. absolutely. Well, when we get 150 people, clear. it means something. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, what's their equiv? I mean, of like, what's the equiv of getting the Yum Center or whatever something twice as big as that for them? Like, what? Like, what is it? I mean, is it really just like the stronger man's conference? Are you familiar that we have with just... Lakewood Church? Yeah. Are you familiar with the Potter's House? But dude, Lakewood Church is too. I'm not easy familiar life. with any of those things. What well, about Joel more Osteen like... and T.D. Jakes? How about that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Well, sure. dude, no, no, no. Okay, so hold on. I'm gonna push again. Not, I'm gonna push back on not push back on you, but like put that to the side, because I hate it when people say I want to push back on that. I feel like murdering them. That's not what I was saying. Um, okay, that bro. aside, like, what about more of a serious like kind of a thing where it's like, no, 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 dudes that are like vision heads and leaders out of like Vineyard or somebody's like. Do they come together for these like Wesley and like big, you know, together for Wesley conferences or like the Wesley coalition or like, you know, you're right. A That's what I'm saying. Like W co like, like how come they haven't bandied together for like something like, like that? Like, dude, it's cool. We're going to think a little bit different about this and that, like the, way, like the way that we've combined like PCA and Baptist and all this stuff. When are they going to do that? That's what I'm wondering. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe like, they're does it happen? Doing. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it it, it has to be around something. Like our, our tribe circles around Reformed theology, just sort of period. You know, they can talk about whatever else, but it always goes through the filter of Reformed theology. But the, but the so, reason is because they think everything needs to be brought back to, like, better doctrine. Like but, that's, that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there has yeah. to be – like, there's either a perpetual problem to be solved or it, it, there's this – it's a cause. So for people of a different theological uh, bent – they there has to be a cause so it's either going to be like missions or evangelism or you know like when the the promise keepers there was the big manhood thing like it's going to be something like that that is that's not theologically driven or not reformed theologically driven and it's it's cause or purpose driven see that's what i'm talking about man like when you know when is the wesleyan thing going to rise up saying no man those those reformed guys their theology is just so off and we are now like we're kind of holding up like, you know, what we need to bring back, you know, American evangelical Christian theology to be. That's what I'm wondering if they I can think, like, if I, they can bandy together, fr- you know, like behind that. The other the other place that's going to come from is 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 possibly high church. So like in like in an Anglican sort of style. But I think that's sort of that's almost by definition opposed to like the big conference. Totally. Like it's, yeah, they're not going to they're that's, not going to do the Yum Center unless they can put in like stained glass somewhere. In but the, my guess is that know. that high church high church and, and liturgical influence is already moving more Christians than I mean, or has gained ground in moving, especially younger evangelicals, uh, as opposed to Reformed theology, or even alongside and with, because they're not really opposed to each other necessarily. I just Unless there's a distinct cause, I don't. I don't think that you're going to see an Arminian theological cause, dude. Because hmm. I think most people, most people, like, there's not very many people who define themselves as Arminian. There's just a lot of people who define themselves as not Calvinist. Yeah, that's, that's what's fascinating about it is that like there isn't there isn't any, like nobody goes around like self-identifying as like Arminian the way like Reformed people do. I've always found that to be like so fascinating. Right. I mean, Reformed people can break it down to the number. They're like, I'm a four and a quarter point Calvinist, and a non-Reformed person is like, I don't know, man. I just love Jesus, and there's right. no points. There's no there's no numbers. There's no percentage. I'm like 92 percent Calvinist. There's just they're just like I, I they don't even, you know most of them couldn't tell you what an Arminian is. They're just mm-hmm. not that thing, which is reformed. Well, speaking of reform, boys, here's my next big trend in evangelicalism. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for a hot yeah, take? Throw it, throw it out yeah. there. This, this could be a recurring seg on the, on the program. Um, I think reform people are going to stop having all these babies. Um, <laughs> because all these people that were quote-unquote called to have like eight to 11 children are going to realize that that's really, really hard, and they really suck at it. And I, I just think that pendulum has got to swing back the other way. So we're going to get, you know, we'll get through this generation, but then we'll get a, another generation of like kind of more normal family sizes again. So you think um, they're going to be influenced by Big R, who only had one? Like, yeah, I or Big T, I, who only has do I, two. Do I need right. to write the book? Like like the one kid reformed family, it's okay? Baby, let's write that book. That that would be, it's polemic. <laughs> it's you and me. Should we just get, title it, it's okay? Small, it's okay. small families love Jesus too. <laughs> one kid colon it's okay by Ted Clark and Ronnie Martin. I love one it. kid colon. Baby, get the get the agent on the phone this afternoon. Yeah, I already got. I already got the deal. It's, yeah, uh, let's get this done, man. Let's, let's get it finished. JT, so right. that's 
Centaur. That's my hot take. It's going to bring me a lot of hatred uh, because that's a that's a near and dear subject for people. But uh, but it's okay. Um, it's, it's okay. Always, it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. It's okay. Right. That's okay. that's the whole point. That's Colin, whole point. it's okay. We have uh, we have done what we always do on this program. We have wandered to and fro throughout these thoughtful topics. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.